The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N E U D A E, at New Day Music on Twitter. A sincere thank you to them for the song Lion Kings, which we're using as our intro this season. James, a lot of big names to talk about today as we take a spin through the Pacific Coast League. You wrote about the PCL for your latest Farm Futures piece, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10 day trial to check out. James's work. Uh, but before we dive into this, I just made my first trade involving prospects in a keeper league so far this year, earlier today, trading Kyle Tucker and Nick Senzel for Garrett Cole, Mike Leak, and a third round reserve pick next year. Going all in, also the fact that Senzel was on a major league contract, got him in the auction, factored into it, can't really... You know, sacrifice a bench spot in a league like this where I'm really going for it this year. <clears throat> Have you made any trades with, with uh, prospects yet this year? I can't think of anything I've done. Um, 
No, I mean, I made a, a horrendous trade uh, before the season where I traded uh, Bobby Bradley and Garrett Stubbs for, for Sam Dyson and Addison Reed. So have <laughs> have that going for me. Uh, that hurts. Yeah, that was tough. But, yeah, I haven't really made any buying or selling types of moves. I know that you and I had been kind of hoping to do a, a Kershaw trade at some point this season, but I'm just, you know, it's, it's not even You're May. Like fourth in the standings. It's not even May yet. I'm yeah. not going to. I don't think I have. I and mean, you have a good team, so. Yeah, I, it's fine. I don't, I don't have a top three team, I don't think, but until they kind of fall back into the middle of the pack, I don't really see any reason to sell guys like Kershaw or Trout because, I mean, there, there will always be high-end prospects available when those guys are on the market. Yeah, Garrett Cole is somebody that I <clears throat> didn't have any shares of but rectified that today. Like that the velocity is up with him. He looks good. But that defense in Pittsburgh's taking a dramatic step back. Obviously, McCutcheon isn't what he is anymore. Wasn't what he was anymore. Starling Marte down and uh, still a favorable park, but wins may be the – the category that's kind of hard to come by with with Garrett Cole not buying in much with Mike Leake's hot start but he gets the Reds this week both of those guys getting the Reds this week factored into my decision there as yeah, well just but. getting the Reds in general over the rest of the season for both of them <laughs> has to has to play a, a significant role in acquiring them yeah absolutely the third round reserve pick kind of just sweetened the pot but that's pretty much meaningless hopefully well Maybe we could still work something out for Kershaw down the road. I had an offer out to you. Was it Tucker, Bellinger, and Juan Soto? Mm-hmm. So that was, would have been a blockbuster. That's the type that of trade. Fair. I mean, that's the type of package I would yeah. be looking for. It's just I wasn't ready to to make that move yeah, at the completely time. Completely understandable. We'll have to revisit those talks at some point later maybe but i might not have the bullets to get kershaw anymore but let's look at your latest farm futures piece james james pacific coast league roundup ton of good players here a lot of guys knocking at the door but we should obviously discuss the the caveat here with any numbers in the pcl and that's these numbers are inflated by the extreme hitter environments in this league yeah it's not i mean obviously the it's a it's the most hitter friendly league in minor league baseball uh but it's also just right now everyone like it seems seemingly 80 90 percent of these top guys are, are posting babips like over 400 in the early going so it's the numbers are just unusually jacked up right now so i it i wouldn't focus that much on the guys like slash lines i'd, I'd look more at what are they doing for you know strikeouts and walks relative to their career norms? What what are they doing on the bases? Uh, you know, if if they have a, a semi normal BABIP, you could probably read into that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into these guys. They're all kind of unique, but it's just the numbers that these guys are putting up in the early going are, are pretty obscene. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to <clears throat> buy much into these slash lines, but slash line for a guy like Ahmed Rosario. With Las Vegas, 397, 444, 466 really looks great. But also the, the walk to K looks awesome, too. Six walks to just 10 strikeouts, five for seven on the base paths. I'm now stashing a mid-Rosario in a couple single-season leagues just because of the awful, awful start for not only the team as a whole and, and rough stretch recently, but Jose Reyes' start. He did hit a homer today, of course, which hurts. But Rosario playing some third base down with Las Vegas, are you still skeptical that he'll get called up maybe before like June 15th? 
I think if if unless he goes into a tailspin and unless Jose Reyes really heats up, I think he'd be up uh, probably by June fifteenth. Uh, I just you know I don't I don't see any reason. I mean, right now, like he's better than Reyes already if you just factor in defense. So maybe you want to keep him down just to prevent him from gaining super two status and to just kind of give Reyes a chance to sort of, you know, regain, you know, some semblance of a, of a season so that he can still be of use to you, uh, in a, in a part-time role. But Rosario's, you know, easily their best infield defender. So that would, that would be a huge bonus right there. He's not a prospect that has, uh, issues with, strikeouts so I, I don't see him having a major uh you know learning curve like we've seen with with some other guys and he's a threat on the bases too so even if he's not hitting for much power he could still be a, a pretty useful offensive player and he gets on base a little bit for for a guy like that and you gotta remember too i mean the mets are only paying reyes just over five hundred thousand dollars this season rocky's still paying him a, a hell of a lot but Mets really don't have any incentive to just let this guy continue to struggle, and this need this team needs a shot in the arm. I know that their beat writers I think it was Mark Carrig recently said that they're not considering it, but I think the the Dodgers were saying that about Bellinger just days before he got the call. So, have you have you gotten eyes on Bellinger in his first couple of major league games? By the way, yeah, he's he's looked good. He's got a really good. For a guy that strikes out a decent amount, he, he also is really good at working the count, so uh, doesn't look overmatched. I think it's going to be really important for him to uh, do some damage early on to avoid getting set back down once once they they get healthy. Just because you know if he, if he's not sort of forcing their hand to keep him up on the big league roster, it obviously would make sense to send him down just for service time reasons if you're not going to be able to play him every day yeah absolutely it sounds like you know once jock peterson's back i'd, I'd imagine he'd go back but andrew tolls hasn't been giving him much and then left so maybe if he if he heats up he could take that job from tolls let's move on though in your latest piece here lewis brinson at colorado springs i know an injury kind of delayed his start to the season but really hit the ground running upon his return 388 426 653 three homers but as you mentioned again, the look at the plate discipline numbers and the uh, just the plate skills in general, and only three walks to eleven Ks. Maybe a spot could open up this year. But do you think maybe unlike Rosario, he could experience some some growing pains once he does get the call? I mean, I don't I don't want to say that like Rosario won't experience growing pains. Well, I just yeah, think but, that like relative to most prospects his age, I think he's a, a it's a fairly safe profile. Uh, Brinson, on the other hand, I, you know, like Rosario, he brings a ton to the table with his glove in, in center field, but he, you know, he doesn't walk. He's actually, you know, those three walks and 49 at bats, that's actually better than that's a better rate than he was posting last year at Colorado Springs. Uh, you know, the strikeout rate is, is been fairly manageable at least you know, to this point, uh, but he, it's, it's, it's a type of swing where I think he could see some strikeout issues early on. 
And the, the big thing that's working in his favor right now, like I, I, I would just completely ignore his slash line because eight of his 12 games have come in Colorado Springs. He's got a 444 BABIP. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of noise there, but uh, the big thing working in his favor right now, if, if you're trying to st- stash Brinson is that both Keon Broxton and Domingo Santana have been negative war players to start the season. Uh, it, you know, I, I think the Brewers would be pretty foolish to pull the plug on either of those guys in the next couple of weeks. But I think if we, if we were to look up in early June and one of these two guys, or maybe even both of them were still really struggling offensively. I mean, Domingo Santana is going to be a negative defender kind of regardless. He's, he's supposedly just going to be in there for his bat. Kian Broxton early on somehow has been a, a negative defender according to, to Fangraph's war. Uh, but I, you know, he, he shouldn't be, and I think he should bounce back in that department. But I mean, if, if neither of these guys are hitting or one of these guys are still not hitting in June, then I think it, it, it's probably fair to, to give Brinson a shot if you're the Brewers, just because I think that's, that's a long enough leash to give, give those guys. I mean, it's not like you can just pin it on, on just a, a low Babbitt for some of the, like Broxton striking out almost 40% of the time. I mean, th- those are significant issues that, uh, you know they might not get better and if they don't then i think you do see brinson in june yeah i, I keep thinking about maybe a spot will open up and i just kind of assume like a, a brawn trade would probably have to happen but not at all you, you mentioned the struggles from broxton and santana santana's been one of my biggest misses early on so far this season along with greg bird Woof. <laughs> i still like i honestly still like santana so I do too. like i but he's not walking much right now only two walks his last six games i know uh, a lot of K's and just doesn't look right at all at the plate. No, he's, yeah, it's, it's frustrating <laughs> uh, to say the least. I think, you know, I kind of wish I knew which of those two they were going to have a, a longer leash for. Got to remember Hernan Perez too. Right. I don't I mean, know how good he is in center, but. Right. Yeah. They, they have options. Uh, and I, I don't think a Braun trade is, is a guarantee by, by any stretch so you know that it, it, it'll be something worth watching over the next couple of months but I, I do think it is starting to look like if Brinson continues to hit and continues to post a, a manageable strikeout rate I think he will get a shot in in June a week ago we were having some drinks after after work and man I could just feel the the brewer's pride coming off some of you guys I mean it's hard for me to say anything at all because what you guys are doing in the front office the moves you've made since Stearns has taken over pretty pretty damn insane of course Eric Thames has been a huge hit early on but are you buying them as maybe dark horses for a wild card this year Uh, you're not getting that carried away yet I think they could be dark horses for a wild card sure um they you know the team's you know the obvious teams the the nationals the cubs the dodgers they're obviously not going to finish above above any of those teams uh but that sort of next tier of teams like the cardinals the giants the pirates the mets i mean it's not crazy to me to think that the brewers could could get a wild card you know i i mean that seemed crazy to me like three weeks ago but really doesn't anymore yeah, I mean, it, it's possible that teams like the Mets and the Giants just 
aren't going to end up being as good as we thought because you know for for the Giants it's their offense for the Mets it's just injuries and you know you don't know like I mean you don't really know how many games you're going to get from some of their best players right now uh and then the Cardinals I think are are fairly mediocre all around uh relative to what they've been in years past you know the Pirates might end up becoming sellers if if they're they look like sellers right now yeah I mean I mean they're regardless they're going to be without their best player in the postseason if they make it so that's kind of an incentive to sell right there is that you're not going to have Sterling Marte even if you do make the playoffs uh yeah I I mean you obviously you look at a team like the Rockies maybe they maybe they can steal a wild card spot I mean if, if if we're talking about the Rockies that way we might as well talk about the Brewers that way yeah, long, long way to go. But the reason I bring that up is just, you know, if the Brewers are still over 500 in a month, maybe they'll be, they'll have more incentive anyway to maybe bring up the timetable for a guy like Brinson and, and some of their other prospects. But let's move on to Ian Happ. Got off to a really, really good start. Looks like he's cooled a little bit, judging by the slash line. 253, 330, 557, but seven homers. And I know he hit a lot of those uh, in the first few weeks. And yeah, I guess you mentioned here, six for 34 funk. Uh, recently but the the big question with Hap is where is he going to play when he reaches the majors and how's the spot going to open up but can play second base or the outfield do you think he's a second baseman still long term I think with the Cubs he's going to be a multi-position guy long term you know the he's got five starts in the outfield and three of those have come in center field so that kind of tells you it tells you a little bit about the makeup of that triple a iowa roster but it also tells you that he's very versatile at least i mean he's not going to be a, a plus defender anywhere i don't think but he, he can at least hold his own multiple outfield spots and at second base i think that that's that's the way you'd see joe men use him which might not be ideal uh you know there's a couple more cubs on this list and they're they're all seemingly close to ready to, for the big leagues and they have nowhere to play so I think you, if you own Hap or you own Heimer Candelario, guys like that, I think you're just rooting for a trade. Even though it would be nice to be a part of that lineup, you just you'd like to have a guy play somewhere where you know he's going to get everyday bats as opposed to playing four or five days a week, which is uh, something that could end up happening with Hap. I'm with you. You know, I like him a lot. I know you have him. I think as like a borderline top twenty prospect in your top four hundred. Certainly love the tools, but I have been looking at possibly trading him in staff one for some immediate help. Moving on, Franklin Barreto at Nashville. Really good start for him, which is good to see after he really struggled in the fall league last year. Still only five Ks or five walks to 24 Ks and 71 at bats. But with Marcus Simeon down, this is a, a guy who, along with Amid Rosario, I think these guys, Barreto and Rosario, may be the closest among these group of this group of players to the major leagues so i think you you might be right about that i do think barreto of all the guys we've talked about is a guy where i think the numbers are fairly misleading like the slash lines really really nice obviously hitting for for extra bases uh but his strikeout rates around 30 percent which is just you know, way up from what he's posted at other levels and the BABIP's almost at 500. Uh, and, and only four of his 25 hits have come at home at Nashville, which is a fairly neutral 
park relative to the rest of the PCL. So it's just, it's obvious that so far he's, he's really taking advantage of his environment. He's getting away with a, a really high strikeout rate. Thanks to an extremely high BABIP. I think that you'll see all of his numbers regress in a, in a major way the longer he's at triple a so i would i'd consider trying to sell high right now on him in a dynasty league i know there are certain places that had him ranked 10 15 spots higher than we did before the season so you know you might be able to find someone that says sure i'll i'll take franklin barreto and and give you you know i don't know maybe willie adames or ronald acuna or even a guy like vlad jr maybe if if someone's desperate oh for God. a guy that's close to content or a guy that's close to the big leagues uh you know it's it's there i mean there are even guys that are in you know way further down like you know a blake rutherford uh yadier alvarez guys like that i would i would flip Barreto for so you know, I think you might want to try to cash in on this this crazy hot start for him. the The one major positive note here is that he has played more shortstop than second base so far this season. So I don't think you'll see him get passed over for a promotion strictly because the A's don't want to have him get exposed at shortstop. Uh, but they obviously weren't ready to give him that shot when uh, when Semyon initially went down. Uh, but I, he is I, on the forty man, right? I think I think we will see him up at some point. I just I would caution people into getting super excited about him just based on the start to the season. Yeah, those K's are definitely the the red flag there, and kind of bring you back down to earth with Bredo. I unloaded my shares of him in both leagues this off season, and that was mostly due to what we saw in the fall league. And I'm not advocating you know judging a player off a small sample, but. Uh, the eye test really was a struggle for him this fall. It was just flailing away at everything, but uh, still a guy that I know they're they're going to be relying on him to be a a useful and valuable major league starter after getting him in the Donaldson trade, and I think they give him an opportunity uh, sooner rather than later. Now, Dominic Smith, another guy the Mets are saying no intention of bringing up right now, but numbers very, very good, six walks to 12 Ks, two homers. 342 average, uh, 388 on base. Lucas Duda, dealing with that elbow injury right now, 10-day DL. Of course, they're moving in Jay Bruce uh, to first base in the meantime. But do you think maybe if Duda comes back and really kind of – I mean, he wasn't really struggling that much, but if he suffers a long-term injury, we could see Smith this season. Yeah, I think you would need – it would need to be a significant injury – and the Mets have wisely, I think, gone strictly one level per year with Smith so far. And I think that they fully intend to continue to do that with him and give him a full year at AAA unless like an injury, like you said, forces their hand. I I think Smith is Smith's pretty intriguing just because he just does not strike out at all for a first baseman. And I know that people are still kind of a little underwhelmed by the power but this guy's 21 years old he's got a a really good hit tool doesn't strike out i just i think i think there's a there's a decent chance that he overperforms in the power department relative to expectations long term it might not happen right away but 
yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of in that Josh Bell mold of guys that are just really good hitters, and eventually more of those balls will start start leaving the yard. I think he's up in April of 2018 as their everyday guy once Duda leaves in free agency. Rymel Tapia of the Rockies, we saw him get a little audition again. Uh, I think it was his second cup of coffee, essentially. Maybe his third. Uh, I forget how many times he was up last year, but we saw him for a bit this season. It was just a short stay, I think coinciding with Gerardo Parra's stint on the paternity list, but really good start for him at Albuquerque. I know you've been a believer for a long time. You still have him 41st on your overall top 400. Do you think he ends up coming up this season? I know they've had Ian Desmond playing some outfield or getting reacclimated to the outfield while he's rehabbing, but uh, is Toppy a long-term kind of a guy that maybe in 2018-19 is a – viable fifth outfielder in mixed leagues i think so i i'm not sure exactly what'll happen to open up that spot but uh one way or another he'll be starting for somebody's outfield and i think he does provide enough across the board it'll be kind of a unique uh set of contributions like you're not going to see him win you stolen bases or or do much in the power department i think you might might get 12 homers out of him maybe in his in his peak years but i think he could hit for a very high batting average and the the most impressive part of his start to this season is that his walk rates up to 7.8 percent which is uh pretty good for him based on his his track record and if he can kind of keep it in that range maybe even get a little bit higher then he's got a chance to lead off for someone instead of hitting hitting eighth so I mean that that would help him at least be uh, maybe a three category guy. Uh, yeah, it's he's got very little left to prove, just kind of waiting on a spot. So I mean, I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd stash him. Maybe uh, maybe in a really deep league, but if he if if someone in that outfield suffers a really serious injury once once Dahl gets back, then I could see Tapia being a, a pretty expensive guy in, in Fab talked about all these guys off to hot starts a guy on the other end of the spectrum tyler o'neill at tacoma 208 average 266 on base 417 slug does have three homers and four stolen bases in five attempts but 21 k's and 72 at bats and i mentioned that i pulled off that trade today i dealt kyle tucker and nick senzel i brought up o'neill in those talks and got laughed at basically (laughs) disrespectful but no i i Really hard time to, to sell on O'Neill given the slow start. Yeah, I I don't know if I would aggressively try to buy low on him, but I do think a lot of his slow starts just a product of, of some bad luck on balls in play. He's he's uh, got a two forty five BABIP. The strikeout rate's actually just you know right where it kind of should be at twenty six point six percent. That's that's the way Tyler O'Neill plays. He's going to swing and miss a decent amount as long as it's under thirty percent. I don't think you have to be too worried. Uh, you know the, what he's doing on the bases is interesting because he hasn't he hasn't run a ton in the past, and for him to be off to that kind of a start there is is definitely interesting. I mean, he's been more successful stealing bases so far than Lewis Brinson has. Uh, the three home runs is kind of you know right where you'd expect it to be so it's it's just sort of a matter of him getting unlucky on balls in play at least that's that's what it looks like to me so i'm not downgrading him at all obviously like you said it probably tough to get full value for him in a trade but if if his owners sort of sort of starting to panic and you can get him on the cheap I, i'd consider that yeah i certainly wasn't actively looking to move him but i'd 
much rather part with him than a Senzel or a, right. a Tucker, obviously, at this point. Derek Fisher in the Astros organization at Fresno, 279 average, 375 on base, 515 slug, four homers, only two for seven on the base path. But he's kind of guy, kind of a guy like Ian Happ, where we just don't see a clear path right now, but eventually see somebody that in mixed leagues is going to be a pretty valuable option. Yeah, I think that their long-term outfield is going to be Fisher, well, at least until Tucker gets there, it'll be Fisher, Reddick, and Springer. And that probably doesn't happen until maybe late this year or, or just at the start of next year. But, you know, Fisher's going to turn 24 in August. He played 27 games at AAA last season, so he's a bit more seasoned than a lot of the guys we've talked about so far. So it shouldn't be that big of a surprise that he's off to this good start. But it's, you know, he's he's obviously not a, the threat on the bases that he used to be, but I'm really impressed by what he's done in terms of strikeouts and walks. That's the type of approach that will make his skill set playable, at least on the strong side of a platoon, because... I think he's got plus raw power might be might end up being plus game power and if he's getting on base at a at a really solid clip, you know, he could he could play on the strong side of a platoon for a really long time. Willie Calhoun, I mean, body like like a guy off the street but hitting like a true pro right now. 333 average, 362 on base, 470 slugging percentage. Chase Utley, it's been Probably the worst hitter in the, at the major league level so far this season. That's oh. weird because I don't have him on my stake league team. Are you sure? <laughs> I'll have to double check on that. I don't think anybody's rostering Chase Utley in hardly any format right now, but I don't know exactly what the timetable is for a guy like Logan Forsyth, but clearly a hole at that position right now. The Dodgers are scuffling. They obviously haven't have their eyes set on a, a championship this year. Do you think they could turn to Calhoun sooner than a lot of people expect? I just have no idea what they're going to do with him because of how bad he is defensively. It's just, you know, you have to really bite that bullet and say, hey, we we really think this guy's bat's going to make his crappy defense worth it. Or we, we you think that, that bad really at second base. Yeah. And we, I mean, you, you're going to need to be really confident in your shifting to kind of neutralize that. Uh, I just have no, he's, he's such a difficult prospect to rank because if we were just, if we were just grading out his offensive capabilities, he'd be a top 50 prospect for sure. He'd be ahead of Tyler O'Neill. He'd be ahead of Derek Fisher. It's just, it's going to be hard for him to find consistent at bats. And I just, I don't see him, you know, whatever, if it's with the Dodgers or with someone else, you know, unless you're DHing him, I don't see him playing against lefties because you can't really justify the defense when he's on the wrong side of the platoon. And then you're talking about a second baseman that's not playing every day. It's just, it's such a weird profile and, from what I hear, he wouldn't be much better in left field. Uh, just just a really, really tricky guy to, to value right now. You say here that among the guys we've talked about and the rest of the guys you, you write up here, that Heimer Candelario is perhaps the, the most big league ready of the entire bunch. Uh, 23 years old, consistently high walk rates throughout the minors. And again, the big question is just when will a spot open up and, and where? Because... 
Uh, I suppose they could, you know, if there's an injury in the outfield, move Chris Bryant up to left or something. But uh, is there any other spot, maybe any other avenues for Candelario to to play at the major league level? Yeah, I mean, if if uh, Anthony Rizzo got hurt, you could move Chris Bryant over to first. Uh, if if Kyle Schwarber got hurt, you could move Bryant out to left. I mean, th- those are the obvious ways to get him in there. I think that the, the Cubs would be less concerned with bringing up Candelario, knowing that he was only going to play three or four days a week than they would about doing that with a guy like Hap. Uh, I think that Candelario, you know, he spent a good chunk of the year last year at AAA, so it's like, what what does you don't need to keep him there for the rest of this year just because you don't have everyday bats for him. I mean, if, if, if an opportunity to get him in there a, a few times a week opens up, I think they would, they would take that. I also think that they are really loving what he's doing right now because it's boosting his trade value. And I think he's probably not a guy that's going to be able to headline a deal for a guy like Dylan Batances or Zach Britton at the deadline. But uh, he could be the legit second piece. Like he could be the Justice Sheffield in that deal uh, to to get that big, uh, big late inning arm, or maybe even a, a starting pitcher if if they really wanted to go go all in and, and load up on on some prospects to to go get a, a big starting pitcher. Candelario could be the second or third piece in a deal like that. So I think that they are pretty excited with what he's doing, and you know you don't want to call him up. And then have the shine kind of wear off by him struggling. So unless there's a legit need, I think they just let him continue to boost his stock by by raking a triple A. Yeah, I could see this team looking to upgrade in that rotation at some point. And I think him and Hap, I mean, that's the kind of package that could bring in a really valuable piece. But Ronald Guzman uh, at Round Rock right now. Only 14 Ks and 74 at-bats, but you say here that he doesn't have the, the super high batting average floor as a guy like Dominic, Dominic Smith has, but what is the batting average floor with Guzman? I, I don't know. I, he's, he's such a weird player physically. He's, when he runs, he kind of looks like a, like a baby giraffe. Like he, it's just he's 6'5 and just a lot of, a lot of limbs and sounds like Braun Strowman. You, you probably don't know who that is. <laughs> no. WWE guy. He runs like a little baby. <laughs> Child. Um, like it, it honestly would not surprise me if somehow like big league, big league pitchers found holes in his swing that, that haven't been there lately. Uh, so I, I don't think he's got a batting average floor higher than like 240 because i just don't i mean we don't know i mean he's he's had plenty of years in the minors where he hit 260 270 so i you know i i don't know what what his floor really is but like like i said like with dominic smith i'm i'm pretty confident that he'll hit for a fairly high average i'm not sure what else is going to come with that but with guzman you also don't know what's going to come with that and you don't want the you don't know what the average is going to be the nice thing for him is that you could envision playing time opening up for him sooner than later, just based on the the way that Rangers roster is constructed, where you got Napoli and Chu and guys like that. I mean, if, if one of those guys goes down, maybe it makes sense to, to bring Guzman up. Uh, so that's that's why he's ranked in the top 200. I mean, if he was further down on the minors, he'd be, he'd be way further down the list, but, uh, I I'm not sold on him being an everyday first baseman. 
So Guzman was the first guy we've talked about so far. He's outside of your top 100 overall among prospects. He was actually outside the top 150, but 156. Brett Phillips, you have at 184. And back in October, you you advised people that if they're thinking about trading Brett Phillips right now, wait until he had a few homestands or has had a few homestands at Colorado Springs. That turned out to be wise, sound advice because Phillips right now 304, 371. 607 really boosting his stock back up uh, a decent amount already after a, a poor season last year yeah it's not surprising at all that he's taken full advantage of the hitting environments and i mean you could just go down the list of guys at colorado springs all of their numbers are, are pretty impressive and you can pretty much throw them all out the window uh phillips the, the one thing that's you know, it's, I don't know, really know what to make of it, I guess, is that all five of his home runs have come at home, and it's actually not a crazy great place to hit for power. It's it's really, really good for batting average, really, really good for runs. Uh, but, I mean, it's interesting, I guess, that all five of his home runs have come at home. I think the Brewers have, ever since they acquired him, have either they've been stressing that he needs to hit for a lot more power or he's just gone completely rogue and decided to do that on his own but either way it's it's pretty clear that he's been selling out for power ever since he came over from the astros and the you know that 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 line is great and everything but he's still the strikeout rate actually went up compared to last year so he's he's striking out at a 34 percent clip right now he would just get absolutely destroyed by big league pitching if if he were to get promoted at this point so i'm still all about selling him if you can i think that right now you know in in deep dynasty leagues i I know a lot of our listeners play in in leagues that are plenty deep i think you could get uh you could maybe get someone in your league at least to give you maybe a top 120 prospect for him i know that he you know i I did a expert uh prospect draft over the offseason he went a lot higher in that than i thought he should have i mean there's still plenty of people that view him as a borderline top 100 guy. So if you can get that return for him, I would, I would do it right now. Ryan O'Hearn and the Royal system, really good start for him. I think the, the big question is, you know, what happens with Eric Hosmer? Does he leave after this season? Does, does that open up a spot for O'Hearn? It's also the possibility. I mean, the way things are looking right now, I mean, there's probably no point in trading Hosmer given how bad he's been, but to get, the way they're heading as a team, they look like sellers. So maybe there, yeah. there's a trade that opens up a spot for O'Hearn uh, before the start of next year. Yeah, I mean, you never know. I The Hosmer thing to me, I would not give him any money. <laughs> like he, he was I, a negative war guy last year. Yeah, I, I made the comparison of, like, I thought he could have a decent year this year. And so it would kind of no. be the Jason Hayward, like, all over again thing where he goes into free agency off a year that you know it wasn't necessarily backed up by anything he'd done in the the previous years someone is still in love with the idea of eric hosmer the prospect and decides to really shell out and goes uh, nine figures for him i don't i don't see that happening anymore i think most mlb front offices are way too smart to even consider giving this guy a significant contract but you know i'm also i don't know what O'Hearn is really either I mean he's you know we kind of I I dog Ronald Guzman as a guy that I'm not sure is an everyday first baseman I 
have O'Hearn ranked even lower and he's just as close. So I guess that kind of says I'm not sold on him either, but I am, I think the, the most surprising stat that popped up out of, out of any of the guys we've talked about so far to me was that O'Hearn's only striking out 20% of the time. He's usually up around 30%, which is why I had him outside my top 200 coming into the season. If that improved uh, plate discipline is legit, and he can he can carry a strikeout rate around twenty or even twenty two twenty three twenty four percent. Then he could be a, a first baseman, a legit you know maybe not a top fifteen first baseman, but a guy that can pass as a starter on a second division team just because he has uh, you know enough power to hit twenty twenty five homers, and he could probably hit for a decently high average if if he's only striking out at that twenty uh, percent clip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so much for that. You know, Eric Hosmer walk year like power surge, just one one homer right now. I know a lot of people are talking about, man, he's really uppercutting the ball a lot in spring training, but maybe that's not a good thing for everybody, uh, as we're seeing with Hosmer. Now you have a lot of others of note here that you mentioned. Also discuss some starts for former prospects such as AJ Reed, Kettle Marte. Man, he's off to a great start. Of course, I dropped him in a couple deep keeper leagues, but anybody that you have here and the others of note former prospects that you want to talk about not really i i don't like triple a uh, <laughs> like i i really don't like writing about triple a it's just kind of where all the guys that are sort of you know quad a guys the gavin chicchini yeah, type guys that we you know maybe this guy's a util guy maybe this guy's a fourth outfielder maybe this guy just sucks and is taking advantage of the pcl like I, none of these guys really excite me. Once you get past Rosario and and Brinson and those top guys, um, I, you know, I guess it's it's worth pointing out that, uh, yeah, I mean, like like you said, Kettle Marte is off to a really good start. Obviously, so is Chris Owings. Uh, you know, Tommy Pham's a guy that I've I've always sort of had a, a little bit of a soft spot for, and I think that if he if a, if a spot for playing time op- opened up in St. Louis, I think he'd be worth adding in, in really deep leagues. Uh, there's, you know, Colin Moran of, of all people is off to a pretty solid start uh, for Fresno. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these guys are all just kind of whatever. If you yeah. want to go read the piece, if you're interested in like 24 year old guys with, with crazy high numbers that are, driven by their environments just go read the piece i'm with you there gavin Chikini, i mentioned him just in passing but he does have 10 walks to 11 k's and i know some people <laughs> maybe speculate that maybe they give him the look over rosario to begin his, but I, I don't believe that. his line it, there's never been a more gavin Chikini line than, than what he's got it's like oh man but look at that look at that approach though it's like oh cool <laughs> like he's a second baseman that doesn't hit for power and he's got a good approach cool I would say that, relating to Kettle Marte, keep an eye on Brandon Drury's situation, although I, th- I would think they'd probably just move uh, Owings to, to second and, and start. Give Nick Ahmed. Yeah, Nick Ahmed. But I don't hey, know. Given See, Marte's start, I just, not I, if I'm that new front office, I'm just done with Nick Ahmed as a guy that I give everyday bats to because mm-hmm. it's just, that's such an antiquated, like the, the all glove, no bat shortstop. Like there was a time, like, five or six years ago where that was a legitimate option but now that's just it's silly to do that i to me kettle Marte, the the people that are kind of you know lower on uh, orlando arcia 
to me, Kettle Marte is the player that those people think Arcia is, where it's just, it could be a, a 280, 285 average, hardly any power, and, you know, 15 to 20 steals. Just saw this comment here. No mention of Jay Yun Huang? the hell, James? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But we appreciate it, as always, James. Great piece. We look forward to next week. Do you know which, which league you're covering? No, that'll be, uh, be a game-time decision. I'm <laughs> not sure. We'll, we'll see. I, I want to just write about I'd, – I'd write about high A if I – had my my pick but i mean everyone i get a lot more comments on the triple a articles than i do the low a articles mm-hmm. so uh the people it's clear what where the people want me to go they probably want me to go over to the international league which is an even more disgusting league uh but yeah. you know, I mean, what, people are grabbing at straws right now looking for help yeah like oh man what about this guy like it's like eh, whatever <laughs> well again thank you thank you guys for listening enjoy your weekend we'll be back with you next week Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.